0: welcome to intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective podcast where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world what do we have in store today stay tuned to find out more Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza,
1: and I am David.
0: And today I'm doubly excited to speak with this couple. When I first had come across them, it made me think of freshman year, and people get a lot of flyers on their wall, and it's, it's every topic and in between, and. This couple has just written a book about Radical Sex, God's Foundation for a Healthy Marriage. And I'm like, oh, man, this is some fraternity that's trying to get over on some freshman girls. (laughs) And then when I dug a little deeper, I was like, wow, they have over 40 years. They've been married for over 40 years. They've been married for 48 years, actually. And they've been in the ministry, the Christian ministry, for over 40 years. And so this is something that was goes way beyond just the surface of the topic of sex. It's actually what what is God's foundation for a healthy marriage and what can you do to make that happen for you and your loved one for your partner. And then the other part that made me really excited because I thought this would never happen, but this couple has the same name as my mom and dad. So <laughs> that is so phenomenal for me i can't wait to speak with this wonderful guest we have renee and gloria volley and they're going to talk about radical sex god's foundation for a healthy marriage welcome to the podcast
2: thank you thanks for having us
0: yes thanks for being there. i
2: can't believe i can't believe it we we are we have the same name as your parents like Renee,
0: absolutely <laughs> renee and gloria wow, wow.
3: that's who do that's, that's
0: incredible i've yes. never heard that before Nope. Say hi. I think David's laughing well, I think David's laughing a little bit because our first one of our first podcasts we talked about Godwinks and there's the school of uh, no accidents. And so for this to happen on the surface, it's like, Oh yeah, of course it was supposed to happen on our podcast. Yes. Yeah, and
3: I actually I think that Godwinks thing there's a lot to be said for it. I don't believe there are coincidences.
0: Absolutely, and uh, that's a perfect segue to to jump right in with both feet because we're talking about a subject matter that usually is talked about behind closed doors, and it could be one of the major reasons why there is such a high rate of divorce, uh, but I'm going to defer to the experts to talk a little bit about your backgrounds and what made you want to write this book in the first place.
2: Well, backgrounds uh, we uh, we we were high school sweethearts back way back way back in the day, and um, we got married right after college. Uh, We've been married, as like you said, 48 years, going on 49 pretty soon. And uh, basically, we were. Um, I was a teacher. I was an English high school English teacher for a number of years. Went into the ministry full time, pastor uh started a couple churches uh um then left the ministry and became an IT manager and but always stayed um involved in in ministry uh working with particularly young couples young men particularly for me and um we basically wanted to share what the Lord has taught us over 48 years of marriage things that he's He's shown us that could be a help uh, to to young couples out there, particularly, but all couples uh, who want to go from a, a good marriage to even better marriage. And so we, that's why he wrote the book.
3: My husband, um, his background is that he has been a Bible teacher for over 40 years. So he's been instructing couples in groups on various topics for a long time. Um, Probably maybe around eight years ago, we had our own personal metamorphosis, if you want to call it, in our marriage, although we had a a very, very good marriage, but we really um, came to the place where we realized how important sex was in our own personal marriage and uh, learned a lot from what God says what he's taught us in his word about what that looks like. And we wanted to share what we'd learned with other people. So the book is not really a personal story as such, although there's a little bit of our story in there. It's mostly what God says a marriage should be and in, in the, the pivotal place of sex in a marriage.
0: And I have to tip my hat off to you because, you guys were high school sweethearts and then got married after college, which is, uh, which was once upon a time the standard way of meeting your lifelong partner. And at, at, in 2019 and over the past decade, a lot of people have um, actually ruined their marriages because they had gotten back on social media, wondering what happened to that high school sweetheart, and and kind of lit the fire, which was inappropriate at that time and. Um, I want to get your take on on that because you guys were pretty linear and you knew the direction that you wanted to go and on the other side with the social media and such you have people that thought that they were going to ride out to the sunset together but they um or maybe not on the same page anymore.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I really thought about that, but uh, social media has a lot of good and not a lot of not so good. So, um there is a when you get married, there is a there's a commitment and a understanding, and there's a giving and a taking and a and a sharing of rights and responsibilities, which we maybe could get into later. But you make a good point that um, just about everybody in their marriage, at one point or another, feels unsatisfied or dissatisfied. I guess is the word, and therefore they. We all tend to maybe look elsewhere, and that that will get us get us in trouble for sure, as far as our marriage is concerned. So that's that's a good point. But the, the feeling of unfulfillment in a marriage is pretty common. And what we say in our book is that we have you have to fight through that. It's it it takes a tremendous amount of effort. It takes commitment, but most of all, it takes love. And so we are feeling for those those people who who um feel unsatisfied and we've written our book for those for those couples particularly so that they can understand that sex is really the foundation not just an added uh element to uh, all the other elements of a marriage but but sex is the foundational um uh part of a marriage.
3: No, I, I
0: love that. Go ahead Go, ahead, go ahead, Hansa. Well, I love the fact that you said it's a foundation because there is a really ugly joke that I'd like to share and get your point uh, because the the joke goes, why is a woman smiling while she's walking down the aisle because she doesn't have to have sex with her husband anymore?
2: (laughs) Uh, We've had that discussion and and Many many times, and it is kind of a joke. We chuckle at it. We just a couple of young people that we know just got married and and uh, we we love them, but it, it's it they're in for you know a lifelong commitment and effort and working through those those rough times. Yeah,
3: you have no idea when you first get married, um, what really is going to come your way, and you think that you're pretty mature and you're madly in love and you can handle anything, but you will soon find out that it's. Not quite that way, and what we discovered is that sexual intimacy just has a way of canceling out some of the immaturity that comes with being newly married, or even later on for that matter. It's a process of growth, and you need that sexual intimacy to um, get rid of the problems.
0: So why would you say this is the only, God says that, this is the one reason to get married?
2: Well, I, I guess, you know, again, this is from a Christian perspective, but um, the only reason to get married is that we can do the the, uh, the big message to youth groups. I don't know if you grew up in the church, but if you grew up in the church, there's these youth groups and they just uh, major on Preaching abstinence before marriage and saving yourself for marriage and and all that and, and that you know we're all for that but what what that does is gives young people um, this negative view of sex and so they bring this this attitude of of sex which is negative into the into the marriage and they don't know what to do with it after that and so so as far as a Christian's concerned you're supposed to keep yourself towards to marriage, which we think is a good thing, but but um, but what we don't understand is that you can do anything uh, as a Christian. You can do anything. You can have shared interests. You can have uh, great conversations. You can you can you can even uh, be roommates. Uh, you can live together. You can even adopt kids these days. You can do everything. Uh, that that you could do um, outside of marriage now in this in this world, but have sex as a Christian, and in God's under God's God's direction. So you can do, and so therefore we say that the only reason God says that the only reason to get married is there's only one reason you. We should put it this way: the only there's only one reason you need to get married as a Christian if you're going to save yourself for your spouse, is sex. That is the only reason. There is no other reason.
0: You could do everything else without getting married. Gotcha. Thanks for that clarification. Uh, Because uh, the question that comes to mind now is that, like you said, you're doing everything else. But I was just watching this TV show last night, Operation Blue Book, that had just started, and it's set in the 1950s where you had a traditional household nuclear family where the husband went off to work and the wife kind of waited at home. And in 2019, you fast forward, and those roles obviously have metamorphed tremendously. And so when you're looking at a foundation of, of sex and intimacy, you're also competing against the 24 hours in a day that seems to get shorter and shorter, especially for a new marriage. So how would you... Navigate through those through that landmine.
3: What I would say is that you have to have the priority of sex as being in your marriage has got to be number one. So in other words, you can have you can actually have sex. They timed it, and you it, you can have sex in like 13 minutes. So it's really not all that time consuming, but. People kind of make it like it's such a big deal. oh, I don't have time for that. but they have time to watch their favorite Netflix or they have time to
2: go to the gym.
3: Go to the gym, which is a big priority these days. <laughs> and they will say that because of two working spouses, they don't have the time for sex. but in reality 13 minutes is really a small amount of time to give to the most important thing you can do for your marriage.
2: It's it's a, it's like a 13-minute, I mean, we we looked up on the Internet, what's the average uh, time for sex? It's, it's some random number came up, 13 minutes. But let's say, it's let's be generous and say it's 30 minutes. I mean, so we have this thing called Netflix and chill now. And so it says, <laughs> we're going to watch Netflix in, in, in place of, of sex. And we're saying that the... The investment in your marriage and the long-term commitment and that thing that is going to stick you together for life is not going to be the next Netflix show. It's going to be investing in each other, uh, in, in intimacy. That's going to be the investment that's going to help your marriage and give it a, a solid foundation it'll, because it will produce security and love and commitment and, and a, a bonding And an understanding, it it will give you a a a caring for one another that nothing else can give you, so that you can overlook those little things that annoy you. (laughs) That you can because you have these you have these annoyances, and if you haven't had sex for a while, those annoyances seem a lot bigger than if you've had sex uh, frequently. So Mm it's it's really an investment in your marriage. What's more important: a Netflix show, going to the gym, or investing in marriage? And that's that's
0: that's a big part of our book, actually. Oh wow! Well, let me. I have to give you some pushback with the gym, because when you <laughs> first get when you first get married, right? You guys are uh, let's just say your optimum. Uh, his physique, let's just say. And then, I mean, you guys, that's why I love talking to you guys. I mean, you've been married, and congratulations to you. You're going on uh, 49 years, which is phenomenal. And you may not look the way you did when you graduated from high school. So uh, there is the argument that both couple I mean, that the couple should go to the gym, that works out together, they stay together, because they still find themselves, each other, desirable.
3: Yeah, I'm, that's big. I'm totally for going to the gym. I'm totally for taking care of yourself physically. Renee and I spend a lot of time, make sure he runs, I walk, we lift weights, but sex is first. And if you do that first, it's just amazing. You'll help each other, make sure you get your exercise in. Because you do need to look as best you can for your spouse, and also it makes you healthier to take care of your body. So I'm totally for
1: that awesome <laughs> so let me ask you a question here um, based on everything that you've been saying so is there any room for just I mean as human beings you know or and just living in the world is there any room for you know I'm just not in the mood tonight but and not making that as any kind of problem because some might say, hey, you know, I like ice cream, but I don't want to necessarily eat it every day. <laughs>
2: that yeah, that's, yeah. You know, we we totally agree. In fact, the book, we make it a big point that illness, aging, um, travel, and so many other circumstances get in the way. Uh, we're just saying make it a priority, do the best you can, uh, realize it's a priority, um, and basically the Bible, it, the, entire, the entire book is based on four verses so of, of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5. And basically says it says it's really what we're saying, be ready for sex. It's really, it's, a, it's an attitude of love and compassion towards your spouse and being ready when your spouse is ready. So therefore, if you're both not ready, that's okay. That's okay. We're saying that's fine, okay. But don't let it be consistently, and, and don't let excuses get in the way because it is so important to the, to the, to the health of, of the marriage going forward. But yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's it, it, we're we're good. Actually, it's more. You don't have to have sex every day, but you need to be ready for sex every day, just just in case your spouse is really. Um, desiring it at that particular time.
3: The norm today is that people give in to, I don't really feel like it today, more than they say, let's do it. And I hate to pin this just on women, but I think, at least for myself, there there were a lot of years when I was selfish in that regard. And... You know, I, I was just tired. But actually, if you uh, take time to have sex, it will actually invigorate you. You won't be tired after you have sex. You will be invigorated. So um, I think we use a lot of excuses because we're
0: just kind of selfish people. <laughs> you said it, Gloria. I did not, so for the <laughs> I, record. I, I <laughs>
3: That's right. I said it, and I believe it or I wouldn't have said it.
0: I'm actually, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I'm going to uh, stand in your corner for a second, Gloria, because you were mentioning early on that was the case. Now, um, from a biology standpoint, I'd love to get you guys feedback in that uh, when women really come into their own as far as sexually, it's not until when they reach their sexual peak, it's not until the the low to mid-30s, whereas a guy is at his prime in his early 20s. So sometimes there is that trade off where one person may be more into it than the other. It's not necessarily I'm being selfish. It's just a biological issue, potentially.
2: Yeah, totally, totally true. Uh, We we understand that there's seasons in marriage, or one. There's seasons every day in marriage. I mean, it's a daily (laughs) thing because if somebody's not feeling right, a little bit off, a little depressed, um you know and, and the other one the other spouse if they're we believe if they're having sex and communicating about sex frequently they'll pick up on these cues and they'll they'll know when to back off when to maybe they need some comfort you know these these are things that you, this dance you go through through life so it's going to be a give and a take on both sides of throughout your marriage and there are seasons big seasons yeah I mean we I, I read men reach their sexual peak at eighteen. So it's all downhill from eighteen. So um, so there's there is that, that give and take in different seasons, but that that's a daily thing also. Yes, we totally agree.
3: I would say for me it was more getting an understanding of what God really called me to in marriage. When I was, you know, dating my husband and first married I really had no idea what God called me to, uh, what the commitment really involved. I just kind of thought, oh, nice house, picket fence, and eventually a couple kids. But there are actually responsibilities in marriage. And sex is the primary responsibility if you want to have a healthy marriage and if you truly want to stay together. Now we have throwaway marriages. Um, being married. In fact, the average time for marriage is about eight years, and things aren't going well. Time to throw that person away and start over again. Mm. And,
1: and yeah, that's interesting. It seems like your approach is a very mature approach, um, Renee and Gloria. And so, and being married for 48 years, you have you know a body of work there, so to speak. And so. What do you? What is your take on, you know, we're growing and maturing throughout our life. So what is your take on, should people, and, and obviously in your case, you were high school sweetheart, so how how do you feel about when people should get married? You is, you think that it's all right for them to get married? Because me personally, I, I'm thinking people should wait a little bit and maybe get to their late latter 20s before they should get married. Every time I see people that are like 21 and 22 getting married to each other, I always want to say, no, just wait a little, wait till you grow and mature a little bit, then you know, go ahead and get married. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well one one of the problems we, we have and we can address I think in 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 our culture and in, in the church and we dress we address it both in our books is uh the problem is that a lot of young men particularly and so now young women are getting into pornography pretty early on and they develop certain patterns and and you know whatever your moral stance on pornography, of course as a Christian we we have we have a definite stance on that. But uh, the anecdotal evidence is clear that pornography is not good for a marriage. And if a if a guy is into habitual porn over a long period of time before they get married, and then they get married, there is a a habit that has been developed that. And I can't imagine because I haven't been there that has to be incredibly hard to overcome, so we're actually in favor of early early marriage in the sense that that you get married when you're immature and you mature together um mm-hmm. is is better than perhaps maturing I think it's faster maturing when you get together early also also. I think but the porn I think porn is a real we listened to your uh, podcast on that gentleman who talked about had a um a pornography
3: a pornography
2: problem. problem yeah. and, and it was it was really revealing to us and it was really moving and um you know so we we definitely address that in the book and and it, 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 it's an issue. I think it's an issue no matter where you uh, take a stand on, on pornography. So that, that would be my response to waiting to get married personally, mm-hmm. but. All right. And
3: that's another one, one
2: consideration.
3: Another good reason for daily sex or for having sex more in your marriage would be the issue of pornography, would be the issue of infidelity in any way. If the spouse knows they're going to be able to have sex with their spouse whenever they need or want to, then some of those other draws like pornography or another person are not going to be such a draw because you know that your spouse is going to have sex with you.
2: And when we get into problems is when we, particularly if either the husband or the wife, um, they, if they haven't had sex in a while... And there is no prospect for sex in the near future. There is this causes a tension, uh, and actually results often in anger or frustration. And this is this is a, a, a dangerous place to be, and opens up the individual for emotional affairs, physical affairs, and pornography, and satisfying the sexual urges, other than with their spouse is we believe God has called
0: us to do. Sure, and, and you had, that's why I was just letting you guys go on with your stream of consciousness. That, those are some of the questions I was going to ask you. Uh, but the other side is, is let's say there, there was that dry spot in the, in the relationship, and either the spouse, uh, the wife, or the husband did turn in that, down that road. What are some ways that you could pull them back so that you guys are back on the same page?
2: That's good. You know, we are. You know, our marriage. We've been married nearly 49 years now, and it, it's been it's been up and down. It hasn't been one smooth sailing thing. We don't want to give that impression at all. It it took us 40 years to figure this thing out a little better than we did previously. So it takes a long time. So we have nothing but uh, compassion and understanding, and totally understand dry spells. We we get that. We got the T-shirt, so. But there is there is a process that that you, you, the commitment keeps you going, and in a Christian marriage, you have a commitment, a contract, and a covenant relationship. So it's it's, it's a, it's a three tiered commitment, and you keep on relying and and falling back on that covenant relationship that you have under under God and. Um, AND THAT IS THE THING THAT DREW US BACK WHEN WE HAD SOME ROUGH, rough SPOTS. Um, FORGIVENESS IS KEY. Uh, COMMITTING OURSELVES to, TO GOD'S CARE, COMMITTING OUR MARRIAGE TO GOD'S CARE, AND TRYING TO LIVE OUT THE GOSPEL AS BEST WE COULD. THOSE THINGS KIND OF BROUGHT US BACK TO CENTER AND um, HELPED US NAVIGATE THOSE, those DIFFICULT TIMES. There
3: certainly is not a ready answer for someone who has already been in pornography, and this is exceedingly common right now, they've been into pornography before they even got married. And then they get married and they have to navigate from, you know, um, the pornography to an actual person. And there's problems with this. But I believe that if there's a real commitment, in the marriage and they start having daily sex, if that partner who has the pornography problem knows that their spouse is always ready to have sex with them, it's going to help um, keep them away from the porn. And see what I'm saying. That just,
2: that just, that also goes for, you know, multiple partners or whatever before you get married. But marriage, when you get married, is from our, our viewpoint is you're making a, a commitment to someone to live this life together, and how are we going to live this life together? Um, Is it, it's an important step?
0: Yeah. So, what's your thought, your thoughts on the pendulum? Because it sounds like the pendulum has come to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, decades ago, generations ago, like you said, you had that foundation, and and there was an understanding that maybe not having sex every day, but it was going to be very frequent. And then it seems like, you know, in the 60s and 70s, there may have been an awareness or just a resentment that this other person may have taken advantage of me and and they're having sex and I'm not really enjoying it. It's one-sided. And then, you know, we go to the other end of the spectrum where you're talking about pornography and such, and then you have a book that has just come out that's kind of saying, hey, let's go back to the orig- our foundation the beginning end of the spectrum and, and remember um, the tenets that, that helped a healthy marriage in the first place.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that. Yeah, that's... As a husband and wife starting off and being on the same page on all the different elements in marriage, particularly on intimacy, that's that's difficult <laughs> because, because you're hardly ever on uh, on on the same page that's why we really and truly feel after all these years and after basically 40 years of trying to figure this out this marriage thing out we have come to the realization that the thing that centers us the thing that keeps us grounded the thing that reminds us of our covenant relationship, and the thing that, that holds us together during the storms and when we're not on the same page is that frequent and reciprocal sex. That's the, that's the foundation. If, if we can get that right, then these other parts of marriages that we may disagree on how to raise the kids, we may disagree on jobs or moves or houses money. or money. Or we may have all these different disagreements about all these different issues in life, but if we can maintain and realize that intimacy is, is going to be that thing which centers us and gives us a, 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 a reason to be together and a purpose to be together, we can work out those other things We really believe that, and that's been our experience.
3: Really, every time you come together sexually, you are recommitting. You are, you are saying, I commit to you again. And it's just a beautiful thing.
2: And what we try to emphasize is God is very sex positive. He starts the Bible with a wedding, Adam and Eve. He ends the Bible with a wedding and the... Um, In in Revelation 19, Jesus' first uh, miracle was at a wedding. He's very wedding positive, he's very sex positive. The first commandment to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. Number one commandment. That was the first commandment. He says, have lots of sex, have lots of kids. And the first institution he instituted in in Genesis 2 was uh, a man shall leave his mother and father, leave to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the definition of the institute of marriage one flesh that he didn't say one soul one soul mate uh, one mind he said one flesh and 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 it's, so it's it's really his definition and I believe it is
0: is is the thing that sustains us so i have a, a- I um, I deal with some, uh, I do marketing, and so I work with a local health food store, and the other day we were looking at uh, this company out of Germany. They are introducing uh, insect protein bars, which is weird, right, because we're not used to it here in in the States. And then we were looking at these meat-based protein bars as well. And in both companies, they were, the argument was the, the population boom uh, that's happened globally and can we sustain it. And you were mentioning at, at the beginning of time it was be fruitful and multiply. Are you, are you given the position that, yes, you should have sex with your wife, but you should also procreate as much as you want to? Or are you saying you should do it just for the activity and intimacy? What's your take on uh, the, our population boom that we're having?
2: Wow. I I guess I never thought about that to be honest with you. <laughs> uh so this is right off the cuff. I mean, I don't know. I, I we have no problem with birth control or anything like that. <laughs> we, yeah,
3: we no problem.
2: We have no problem whatsoever <laughs> in we? limiting family size. Uh but uh so that's 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 no problem whatsoever. Uh you know, that that is something outside of my expertise for sure as far as how what size, population, can the earth actually sustain in population? I have no idea where that's at, to mm-hmm. um, be honest with you.
3: We didn't actually start to have children until we were married seven years. And then we had three back-to-back. Back. And, and we now also have six grandchildren. Um, I don't think we thought about that or maybe planned it out that way. But as my husband says, we have no problem with um, people limiting their size of their family, or if they choose to have a large family. I mean, I I really kind of think that's pretty individual.
0: Well, in that same token, with with like uh, I like I like how my family we were all together as well. And so, it, when you said that seven years, I think it kind of leads to what David was asking initially. It's that seven years. And not that it has to be for everyone, but you really got to learn about your spouse as opposed to having children right away. And that's that's what I hear as far as the infrequency of sex happening because the children are there now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in fact we were just talking about this today, that we we were really glad that we waited seven years before we had kids to get to know each other, even though we were high school sweethearts and knew each other a long time before we got married actually. Um waiting those 7 years really gave us an opportunity to to uh to mature and and we just talked about that today and said boy it's a good thing we didn't have kids when we were when we were younger um so yeah and then when kids come that just complicates things for sure there's no doubt about it
3: but at the same time we have friends and even family members who got married very young and had children right away and you know it worked out for them so i can't really say that every person should wait as we did um in our case it was the right thing to do i had a career at that point i was a teacher and i wanted to teach um at the end of that 7 year period i had come to the place where i really wanted to teach my own children and not somebody else's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That,
0: that that goes to my next question cuz I fall into this category and a lot of my colleagues do we were more of the uh, growing in the corporate environment right and then you know all these artificial years passed and then there was like this huge rush before women turned 30 or 40 and so they you know they wanted to get married but they also had their ties to their job and so you know where do they spend their time and then if they if they are you know older then do you, do they actually have that time that 7 hour or 7 year window like you two had uh, because we're we're dealing with nature as well and, and the the probability of having a healthy child
2: yeah yeah that those are those are individual decisions that each couple has to make, has to make and how they how they navigate through child care which is a huge concern versus career um Those are those are decisions we made, but the decisions we made are not for everybody. That's for sure. Um, Like Gloria said, she worked as a teacher um, for ten years or so, or seven years before we had kids, and Mm -hmm. and we had a bunch of kids, and she she stayed home, and then she went back to teach for for a while. So, um, yeah. So everybody has to make their own decisions, and it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult time for
0: sure. Yeah, I is. was thinking, Go ahead. I, I, personally, I personally had, a, I, I got my master's in education and, and the thought process behind it was, one was positioning, but the other one was, you know, if my wife wanted to travel because of her job and, and, and those type of deals, I just knew the difference that my my mother was home during our formative years and when I, when I was teaching, I could look, I taught second grade and just looking across the classroom, you can see who was getting the attention and who wasn't. So, you know, it's it's important that um, you guys are on the same page when you you ultimately, uh, you want to have the intimacy, but when the children come, things will, the the, the Rubik's Cube keeps turning.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we had, uh,
0: Gloria was a kindergarten first grade teacher
2: primarily, um, so she saw the same thing.
3: Yeah, and um, I did really, I was fortunate in the sense that I did really love my career, but... I really couldn't mix being a teacher and taking care of my own kids. I had a short period of time where I went back to work because Renee was in school um, to get more education for a better job, basically, and I had to go back for about a year and a half, so I was juggling kind of being a mom of three kids and teaching, and for me personally, it wasn't a happy situation. I was glad when that year and a half was up and I could go back to just being a full-time mom. I was fortunate. I liked staying home. I liked being a mom. I liked doing household things. Some women don't. They really want to be out of the home. It's a very individual thing.
0: (laughs) If If you don't mind, if I can ask a personal question, then Renee, did you know if she could cook? before you decided to get married? Because the professional women either don't have time or, like Gloria said, they don't have the desire to be that, um, play that role.
2: Yeah, in fact, I always tease Gloria that the re- reason I married her is because she, our first date, she took me to her grandmother's house for New Year's dinner and in a big Italian family. And I came, I came from from this French Canadian family that that was, our meals were meat, potatoes, and vegetable. And here I had this steak and pasta and all <laughs> and all these things I didn't even know anything about. And just, when I finished that meal, I said, I'm going to marry this woman <laughs> if she can cook <laughs> as good as grandmother. <laughs> and that's what happened. And she's a great cook, but I knew that before we got married.
0: Yeah. it's, a, it's a, cause it, i have to laugh as tongue-in-cheek because we're we're talking about the, the two ends of the spectrum the traditional uh, <laughs> husband and wife right it, and <laughs> we've gone to the other side where i'm like i had a full day at work too what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean so these delivery servers can only do but so much
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah blue ribbon here we come
3: that's that's a big deal today for a lot of couples especially working women oh my goodness Um, they um they do find it really difficult to come home and cook and because I did do um my career and my children at the same time and so I went through the process of working and having to come home too and um it's it's exhausting but again you got to decide what your priorities are yep
0: and do it when you're young well i think renee said something that I, I definitely want to hone in on uh because i i do believe and this was brought to my attention by a, a family member my twin sister actually she has mentioned that you don't really know anyone until you spend the holidays with them And so <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right yeah. and so yeah. the fact that you were there you met the family and all and you saw that Oh, okay she She's also being groomed as to you know maybe taking care of a man or even have that capability. Whereas uh, there's a huge population that doesn't go through that traditional upbringing anymore.
2: Yeah, it's true. I remember I my father took me aside. I when we met, I was 15 years old. Gloria was 14 years old. And <laughs> and so my father took me inside and said, "Son, um, you know how to." How to tell what your wife is going to be like uh, when when they get older is look at their mother.
1: Wow, so I looked yeah. at
2: Gloria's. I looked at Gloria's mother. And I said, "Wow, she's beautiful." I said, I said <laughs> I'm, "I'm definitely in good." And, and that that turned out to be true. So um, yeah, the tr- we can't we we went the traditional route. We totally and we totally have compassion for those who try to navigate uh, dating on, online dating these days. And and we, we're we're out of that 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 we don't we understand because we've walked through some young people uh in in our ministry to help them navigate some of these things. Um, but it it's a whole different world where people are meeting and they don't have the context of a hometown. We had a hometown that you know, large Italian population in our hometown. There was a lot of tradition uh, growing up in the fifties dating in the early 60s. Uh, so we had the context. We came from the same part of the city. We went to Catholic schools. And she, Gloria went to all girl school. I went to an all-boys school. It was a different world where we had a context so that we could relate to one another. We knew basically where each one was coming from. Now people meet online coming from totally different cultures, and when they talk, even though it's English, they may not be talking the same language
0: because of the background mm-hmm. is very difficult. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that's where I have to ask the next question as far as preference for small town versus large city because the the tradition as you mentioned, if it's in a large city, uh, you had the. I think it was a stat of, of marriage lasting eight years, whereas uh, generations ago, it was like, no, we're going to do this forever. And uh, the other side was, I you could tell <laughs> that they resented each other, even though they were married for 80 years. And so yeah. you have people now saying, I, you know what, I'm just going to try my luck again, and, and, and hopefully I'll find the right match this time. So I guess that was two parts as far as you know. What's your take on dealing with the social media apps? And, and does that take away some of the intimacy because of the readiness of meeting new part potential partners?
2: Yeah, I think we've had um, people who have been successful with online dating, and and we've we've known people who haven't. Um, we have, um, yeah, the traditional. We're going to stick together. You know, we hate each other. We're not going to talk to each other. We've seen that too, in our in in, in our journey here. Um, what we would say is that if both people aren't have the same values. And for us it would be putting Christ at the center of our lives. If both people have the same core value, that it makes it a lot easier. So when when we advise people, if if your core value is your relationship with with Christ, and both of you have that core value, you're gonna probably have a better chance of getting through the rough spots than those who have a values that are, are different from one another.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, when you talk about, like, let's say, for example, having sex on a daily basis, you know, people's ideas. Everyone has maybe a different dish, definition for sex. So, are you talking about having? Intercourse or just some kind of form of intimacy?
3: We're really talking about we're talking about intercourse. If, if
1: possible, you if know, possible, we we have a lot of older
2: friends who are aging, and they always ask this question, the same question. And you know, these people are in, in their sixties, seventies, eighties. You know, so obviously, we're going to say, well, it may look a little different. But go on, Gloria, me Um, that's
3: that's true. Um, we're advocating um, sex, you know, full on intimacy. But as my husband says, sometimes that isn't possible. Sometimes okay. people reach a point where that isn't so possible anymore, particularly every single day. So we're advocating um, touching, caressing, as far as you can go in the physical act as possible. Oh. We're saying when you get to be our ages, don't stop, Right. which often is the case. As people grow older, sometimes they have attitudes. I don't need that anymore. Well, you need it, and you need it a lot. So <laughs> we're advocating as much as possible.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I would add. I would add that that yeah, because of aging, particularly illness. Obviously, people go through some horrific illnesses, cancer and such. Obviously, uh, that's going to. Uh, change their sexual habits and frequency Um, but generally speaking all things being equal um, touch is very important um, right to the very end Uh, there's been lots of research on touch uh, a lot of studies done on on the benefits of touch we had a friend who whose ministry was to nursing homes and they would go in and hold people's hands and, and pray with them and read them the Bible or sing songs to them, and it was a it was a it was a wonderful ministry because of some of these people never got touched you know except for occasionally by a caregiver
0: yeah i want to I want to go to the opposite end of that spectrum because at the beginning of this this podcast I had mentioned college, and there are some parts some people that are living their second. Uh, go through of college, and I'm talking about at these senior citizen centers, where they are the growing numbers of STDs continue to grow, and it, on one level, it just seems like, like you were saying, they weren't getting that touch or intimacy in their in their initial marriage, and now they're, I guess, reselling their wild oats.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. We we looked in we looked into a retirement community in Arizona fifty five and older retirement community I just turned seventy uh last month and um so you know we're looking into you know where we're we gonna where we're we gonna retire uh, so we think in arizona we have, we have a daughter down there um and it's warm which appeals to us um and the this particular um which you call unnamed you know, retirement community had the highest s t d uh, um, levels of the entire state per capita. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yep. like it was shock- It was shocking to us. I mean, we're kind of naive to begin with, but that was that was pretty shocking to us. So you're totally right. That I think Viagra and all, and all those uh, drugs have uh, have uh, given some people a second second wind. I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're not there... against
3: second wind if
0: you're with <laughs> your spouse. It be with your if spouse.
3: If you're with your spouse. <laughs> We're saying have as much sex as you can possibly have, but if you're going around spreading STDs, and that's that's a, that's an entirely different matter.
0: That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's...
3: we're not promoting that. <laughs> sure.
0: I, I remember when my uh, my grandparents were thinking of retirement community, and, and my grandma was like, "No, you're not going to live with those hussies."
2: So,
0: <laughs> <and> <laughs> Because right, I mean, to be yeah. honest, uh, yep. girls yes. live a lot girls are smarter than guys from elementary and right. as we get older girls yep. live longer than guys. Yep. And so the the bad another bad joke is that, you know, we we both have dementia and I have Viagra and you have plastic surgery and we don't even know what to do with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, it's a good one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, true. Was, it was surprising,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: It's um it's yeah. shocking. It's shocking. Yeah, we, yeah, we have stories, but we won't. We won't share.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you're advocates, and obviously, you you definitely walk the walk and talk the talk with the 49 years. Uh, let's just say a, a family or a couple did try and they met half you know they only were able to get to that 25-year mark and for whatever reason it just didn't work and it was um they rec- they just realized they went their separate ways how would they you know some people just write it off and then other people get married right right away is there a, a correct approach or how would they look at it in that do i look for another partner and the other may be just the mortality like i don't want to grow old alone.
3: Unfortunately, um, statistics don't prove to be very good for second and third marriages. There are often more divorces in second and third. And I think the reason for that is they never really grew and got past issues that they had, and they bring those same issues into the second and third marriages. And therefore, those marriages don't make it.
2: And particularly for in their in their sex life, a lot of we've read different people's um, meditations, uh, reflections on first marriages failure, and a lot of it is due to lack of sex in in the first marriage, and so they want to do. It. In fact, on the back cover of our book, I'm looking at it now. It says this book is for you if and I list we list a bunch of stuff, and the last one is if you want to do married sex God's way the second time around. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, from what we've read, that people it kind of a wake up call after the first marriage fails, and a lot of people realize that sex was an important part of marriage, but it wasn't an important important part of their first marriage, and they want to do it differently in the uh, in the second. And um, so, we we think that's do it do it God's way, and um, and uh, we believe the results will be different.
0: What if uh, just the argument devil's advocate for that last answer is what if both uh, the couple they, they definitely thought that sex was important but it was manipulated right so oh you didn't you left the toilet seat up or you didn't take the trash out or you didn't wear makeup today you know one of those I'm not going to have sex with you and so it became more of a, a power play which kind of, obviously they're at divorce now uh, what, what is your take on people using that the, this, this godly act for manipulation?
2: We're against it. <laughs> that's
3: that's, about the worst, that's one of the worst things you can do. God calls it, um, you know, that's
2: bad. That's sacred
3: really bad. and will unify you. So the worst thing you can do is to try to manipulate your spouse with sex. It's yes, yes. one of the worst things you can possibly and, do.
2: And the whole point of the whole point of if getting married and making commitment to one another is to grow in love. Yes. I mean if there's one message in the Bible that we take from 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 God's word is that love is the only thing in the end that really matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as you commit to one another with God's help, you, you move together, hopefully kinda on the same page or mostly on the same page or try to get on the same page but it's always towards the idea that, that, that we're going to try to love. And love is basically unselfishness. And since we're all selfish people, unselfishness is easy to say but extremely hard to do. And um, so um, the being unselfish and giving uh, is, is, is
3: essential. In order to do the things that we're saying in our book, um, to have a healthy marriage. One thing we haven't mentioned is that we pray about our marriage daily and specifically about our sex life. In other words, we go to God every day and ask him to give us the strength to do what we need to do because it would be real easy for me to say, well, I'd just rather watch that Netflix or I'd, I'd, I'd rather do something else. And so I need God's grace to do what is best for me? So, I'm saying that prayer is an integral part of a Christian marriage. You don't do it on your own,
2: right? And that's 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 essential. But you know, we 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 advocate sex, and everybody thinks, "Hey, more sex is better than less sex," right? I mean, we all kind of agree with that statement. But the thing is, it's hard. It is not easy, and the older you get, the harder it gets. It takes effort, it takes preparation, it takes it it takes uh, commitment. It, it, it's easy to say, well, you know, tomorrow's okay, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, tomorrow, and we both too easily agree, and so it's it takes it's it's hard work, <laughs> but it's worth it. Oh, it's,
3: it's definitely it's definitely worth it. So I wouldn't. We're not-, not
2: trying to. We're not trying to say to everybody, this is really easy. Oh, this is just going to be oh, a cakewalk. this is great, and it's going to be romantic. <laughs> it's, it's not a Cialis moment every single day, you know, and, and the <laughs> moment turns romantic. No, no, and if you wait for the moment to turn romantic, you're going to wait a long time. <laughs>
0: Yes, and I, you know what? I just took it as a double entendre because you said the odor you get the harder it gets, so I just totally misinterpreted <laughs> it. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good that one. was the double yes. entendre there. Unfortunately, oh.
2: that's not true.
0: That's <laughs> well, let me let me ask Gloria this because she mentioned it twice: uh, uh, the the N word, the Netflix, right? And so. Are you saying that some of these, you know, uh, social media, uh, Netflix and chill and all that, these are distractions and maybe yeah. some of those should be taken out of the home so you can spend more time with your spouse?
3: Well, I think that if you're majoring on them instead of your spouse, then, yeah, maybe you need to turn the phone off or whatever you need to do. I know Renee and I are always trying to work work. We're on our phones a lot. We're not going to lie about that. We are. Um, But we also sometimes take time periods where we'll say, well, we're turning our phones off all morning today. And we'll catch up with our phones after lunch. Because social media does have a way of eating away at your life. And um, so, yeah, you need to to, uh, put up some stops.
2: To make the yeah, person I think you...
3: more important than the object, your phone or your computer or whatever. Or a TV show. Or TV show.
0: Right. And I think you both found out that even though you turned it off, all that stuff was still there when you turned it back on. So you're not missing anything.
3: Exactly. No, we're not missing anything. No, we're
0: not missing
2: anything. <laughs> we, always, we always complain around our phones too much still. Even now. Even now. Yeah. Even though we, wow. we, we put them down a lot. it just... They've taken over our lives, haven't they, these phones? <laughs> it's weird because we've been around long enough to, to remember before the phone,
0: the smartphone. Yeah.
3: yeah. There and really for, is and life outside your phone.
0: I think that's what I was thinking for Netflix because you usually binge. Instead of bending on Netflix, you can binge on your spouse.
2: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But there's so many distractions in today's world. I mean, and in, you know, we, we, we say daily sectional and we, we get, qualify it like we have in this conversation, we qualified with age travel, illness, and all kinds of other circumstances, but hundred years ago, hundred and fifty years ago in, in agrarian society um you know the the not to romanticize that obviously it was a hard life, but they didn't have a whole bunch of entertainment and distractions they their entertainment was uh, getting in bed at the after after a long day and having a romp in the hay so uh, rolling the hay. So it was like that was their entertainment, that was their connection, that was their their yeah. their uh way of life. It was a rhythm, it was part of the rhythm. We call our book Radical Sex, but actually it's normal sex. Uh one hundred and fifty years ago it was normal. Uh, my uncle uh, grew up on a farm and owned a farm and his brother worked on it and um it was up in, in northern Vermont, and kind of a rough, rough place. And uh, and my, my uncle and his wife had lived that life, the farm life. They didn't have a TV. They lived in a house, had eleven kids, who were madly in love with each other, and and lived that farm life, that rhythm of life, where where um, daily sex was was part of that rhythm. And it was just normal. It wasn't radical. It wasn't unusual. It was just the normal life that they lived.
3: One one thing we haven't said is that sex is fun. It's playtime every day. Let's not look at this as some arduous thing you have to do. Yeah, we're not, it's actually a wonderful gift.
2: We're not telling people they have to, you know, cut off their right arm or sacrifice their firstborn or anything. This is this is we're just encouraging people.
0: More it's more it's better. I think it sums it up.
3: More is better.
0: So you're also encouraging people to bring back afternoon delights? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Great song from the 70s. Good good reference. That's right. That's right. Awesome. And I I loved reading your blog as well. I'd like for you to highlight your blog and also uh, Radical Sex, God's Foundation for a Healthy Marriage. If you can uh, highlight the locations where people can pick up that book as well, that'd be great.
2: Uh, our our website is thebiblesexdevotional.com, and everything's right there. All the links to uh, to our our books. We have a new book actually. It's called the 40 Day Bible Sex Devotional for Christian Couples, and we just put that up. Um, we took the blog posts from April to September of last year, put them in the book form for. It's kind of a convenient form for people to be interested in that.
0: Nice, nice, awesome. Well, this has—I've it's, it's, learned a lot, and uh, you definitely. Congratulations again on the 48 and a half. So, congratulations mm-hmm. on 49 years of marriage. It was Thank you. A, a definitely Thank you. A, a pleasure. Speaking with people that have the same names as my mom and dad, that was phenomenal.
3: I still can't get over that. That's incredible. (laughs) Incredible.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza.
1: And I'm David.
0: Renee and Gloria, it was a pleasure. Let's definitely stay in touch. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you for for having us. It was great. It was great fun. Thank you. Good morning. Bye-bye Thank you.
0: (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Hello. Hello.
0: Listen to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like ours. When you listen to our show on Radio Public, we receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show in Radio Public today by listening to the show link in our episode notes, and thank you for listening.